You wanted the best. You got the best. In strong language and adult content, the hottest podcast in the world. Slowly, we rock. Step inside, walk this way. Slowly we rock, covering Def Leppard's hysteria. Hope you're ready. Hey, hey. <laughs> are you excitable for this one? Because we are. That's right, we are the Pods of War, the best podcast on the planet. Slowly we rock, delivering you the Sheffield based hard rock and heavy metal you need. I'm your host, James, and I'm joined as usual by. Dan. And. Lewis Blake! Amazing harmonies. You've learned from the best there, I can tell. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I'm a, I'm a layered boy these days. <laughs> How are you all doing? Great, yeah, really excited. Yeah, really not excited, too bad, actually. really. I am um, as well. Yeah. Been I'm, looking I'm forward to this one. Yeah, me too. Um, we, <laughs> talked about it. We, we talked about it last on last week's episode, uh, but yeah, we are covering Def Leppard's Hysteria. If you've not listened to the album yet, maybe pause the podcast have a listen, or we can be your introduction to the album so you can kind of go in with, I guess, cursed knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> Our fractured take on the album. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, we are absolutely hyped to be delivering, I guess we've talked about them a lot, but what is probably our first Def Leppard episode. I th- yeah, I think it is. I think so. I think we've joked about them a lot, obviously. <laughs> um, but I think this is the first one we've specifically... Talked about them musically, which is we, quite funny. We joke about them constantly, but this is yeah. actually the first time where we're going to be talking about them with like an actual real sense of like passion and enthusiasm. Enjoyment, yeah. 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 <laughs> to be fair, like it's it's quite rare that we ever say anything nice about <laughs> like a lot of bands that we like. <laughs> like <laughs> that's true, like, yeah. <laughs> Except for Ghost, I, mean, I think. I think that's pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. with um, Ghost and Ramstein. we've mentioned... <laughs> If we mention Motley Crue, we mostly dwell on Vince Neil. Yeah, <laughs> we've we've never actually talked about. I mean, about, every like, member of Motley Crue deserves <laughs> scorn. To be honest, and I love them <laughs> I, except I, Mick. Do you know what? I um, yeah. I don't know that that weird little catfish beard he had for one point in the nineties. <laughs> yeah. um, Which you know what? I I had like a real eighties kick after listening to Hysteria. I immediately went on to Doctor Feelgood, and then yeah, perfect. On to Back in Black, then on to. Uh, Van Halen's 1984 and it was a pretty good run for the most part um, <laughs> but uh, yeah it's just the one band I didn't listen to actually of like on my 80s kick was Whitesnake which is kind of funny because I've got an amazing Ooh. headline about them from Blabbermouth you're going to love this yeah one of Sheffield's also uh, finest bands uh, Whitesnake's David Coverdale I'm so follically blessed it's not even funny <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you think he was listening to our to the show we did where we spoke about his hair in lockdown well, at length so he was interviewed uh by a singapore dj for a singapore radio station uh and he was asked about the secret to his beautiful hair uh the 68 year old singer responded oh god i'm so follically blessed it's not even funny Last year, my assistant made a video of me proving that my hair wasn't a wig. Some guy on Instagram wrote, come on, David, 
it's time to lose a wig. And of course, thousands of people jumped all over and going, no, it isn't. No, it isn't. <laughs> so I did a <laughs> postcards from the road video when I was in Prague saying, no, this is real. It's absolutely legitimate. <laughs> and yeah, I am follically blessed. Thank God. That is amazing. I mean, he is. He, he really is. I'm obsessed with his hair. It's incredible. It's, it's gorgeous. Yeah, I've, <laughs> I've never seen a 68-year-old man with such beautiful hair. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, uh, back to Sheffield's other finest. Mm. Uh, where do we begin with Def Leppard? I guess from the start, maybe. Just a quick introduction to those who are into bands that were formed during their lifetime. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Weirdos. Uh, Def Leppard are a English. This is straight from Wikipedia. Would you believe it? But so it may not even be true. Oh, we um, we could do better than that. <laughs> oh, cool. well, okay. I mean, like, just say yeah. You know, just for a bit of context, Def Leppard. They are a English rock band <laughs> formed in the late seventies in Sheffield. So I guess putting Sheffield on the map for a little bit, then nothing, then Arctic Monkeys and Bring Me the Horizon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, that's it. And human League. Oh, and oh, and Human League. Oh, and I guess. Um, wait, uh, what's it as well? Jarvis Cocker. Is he? For, I couldn't tell. Yeah. You. Yes. Where you go? Uh, yeah, consisting mainly of. Uh, I guess but they've had a pretty consistent lineup as well for most of uh, most of their career, right? Forty percent of this band are called Rick. <laughs> <laughs> You can okay. expect fun facts like that from the episode. Let's go, let's go through the lineup, okay? So we've got uh, Joe Elliott, yeah, Rick Savage on bass. Are we going through Hysteria lineup? Let's go through the current lineup because I guess we've got a bit of a story there, right? Okay. Uh, we've got Rick Allen on drums, uh, Phil Collin on guitars, and currently Vivian Campbell on guitars. But back when this album came out, the guitarist for the band, the lead guitarist, was Steve Clark, is that right? Mm. Yeah, it is correct, yes. Yeah. Uh, I guess, how would you characterise Def Leppard's sound? If I ever think of the words arena rock, mm. it's Def Leppard, right? It's yeah, like just, yeah, glossy um, metal. Big. I don't really know. Yeah, it's it's weird. It's somewhere that kind of started with like a kind of ACDC, like slightly more mm, new wave of British <laughs> they heavy would, metal. They would definitely ACDC. at the forefront of that, yeah. Yeah, that then um, became a lot more polished and just kind of huge, just like, just massive, right? Yeah. Just the sound. I, it's yeah, it's really I, really hard to describe. Actually, I think when when you think of uh, like a nineteen eighties rock music video with like a big arena and all the flashing yeah. lights, and like I would imagine like yeah, lots of like women with big hair, teased hair, mm-hmm. men with big teased hair, <laughs> you know, yeah, um, <laughs> denim jackets with the sleeves rolled up. Um, that kind, yeah, a big wall of amplifiers, like that kind of like eighties decadence. They're almost like they're the kind of a definition of that to me. When I think about it in my head. Like I would also say, like a a toned down Bon Jovi, um, like eighties Bon Jovi. Yeah, with uh, more kind of layers and like kind of st- structure throughout parts i guess that's that's the thing that always that i always think of with death leopard is like the parts yeah there's there are so many intricate or general intricacies in what they're actually doing mm-hmm. and it's it all adds up to this one kind of massive canvas yeah it's like i would say if you like brian adams you are mm-hmm. also on like the right track yeah 
Um, so yeah, but they'd kind of evolved over the years before we get to the Hysteria albums. We said they kind of started off as like one of the new wave of British heavy metal bands, kind of like, you know, Iron Maiden, for example. Not necessarily the same sound, but the same kind of scene. But then they just got a rocket strap, <laughs> a rocket strap to them and like became this huge multi-million selling arena rock band. Uh, I guess we get to their, I guess we call it their pièce de résistance, you know, their... Uh, yeah. Yeah, the pinnacle of their career with 1987's Hysteria. Mm. I guess maybe part of the reason that why we're doing this as well is it's 40 years since their first album. So we're ignoring that and moving on to their best album. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah and, uh, well, I mean, yeah, let's... Uh, this is one people... I, do you know what? I would say this is almost like an essential album. Like, if we ever did, Absolutely. like, a series on, like, essential rock albums, and we've covered, like, say, Thin Lizzy's Live and Dangerous. Yeah. Uh, we've done, like, Number of the Beast. Uh, there's, there's been a few we've kind of covered. But, like, there's almost, like, a kind of canon of, like, hard rock and heavy metal albums, which everyone should kind of listen to at some point. Yeah. And I think Def Leppard's Hysteria is absolutely on there and really needs to be covered. So what a better time than now during a time of mass hysteria. Ooh. Very good. <laughs> good <laughs> Thank you very much. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so just to give you a rundown of the album, uh, it is their best-selling album to date selling. Anyone want to have a guess how many copies? Oh, at, at least 12 million. Oof. 25 million. Uh like 30. 50 million. 25 million copies worldwide. Oh, right, first yeah. time. Yeah. Good. So, they, so they, they can try harder, is what you're saying. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> what I'm saying is... Room for improvement. Yeah, exactly. And what better, again, <laughs> what better time than now, you know? Like, people are still into buying CDs, so... Like, yeah, <laughs> oh, dude, it's great. Yeah, uh, it landed uh, at number one in both the UK and US album charts as well. Uh, and it was the final album of lead guitarist uh, or so rhythm guitar. Is it rhythm guitarist or was he a lead guitarist, Steve? They 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 kind of interchange quite a lot. Yeah. There's, yeah, there's it's all just a shared platform. I guess it's like um, Adrian Smith and Dave Murray. Yeah. in Iron Maiden. Uh, and it was the it was the final album of uh, of guitarist Steve Clark before his passing, and also the first album uh, with uh, Rick Allen, their drummer, since losing his arm. So I think that's one mm. of the things that maybe Def Leppard are kind of most famous for as well, is having a one-armed drummer. Yeah. Uh, yes. It's yeah, one of those pop um, culture things, isn't it, that everyone knows, even if yeah. you don't know who Def Leppard is. Yeah, precisely. And this was the first album he recorded with one arm. Um, I guess uh, because there's just so many good songs on this, we're going to go through this out. Usually we just kind of do a sort of like cover it, but I think this is one of those albums that deserves to kind of go through it, mostly track by track, because there are just well, yeah, so many bangers. It's, it's worth mentioning that it had seven singles released off of the album. Uh, and the last one was released like uh, a year and a half after the album came out. Like it was an absolute monster. That's Se- insane. Seven singles. I think also, I need to look this up to make sure it's, but I'm pretty sure this album, every song in it was released somewhere in the world as a single. Yeah, I'm sure that's true. It's just absolutely absurd. There's only 12 tracks on the album and seven of them got released as singles. But, yeah. I, I guess then, actually, that's probably how we should frame this album, right? Is that they set out to create the thriller of rock, mm. um, and they went in massively with kind of pop, like pop sensibilities. It was all geared up in the songwriting, the production. Uh, they wanted pop success yeah. by applying the same kind of you know like songwriting practice to a rock record, mm. and I, I think it's probably the first the first rock record that 
did that, right? That really, really did cross the... I th- yeah into into that pop success I, yeah I, I think the, the yeah that the, like I think definitely put its sights on the charts you know you mm, get yeah. the, you get those albums where everything kind of comes together like it's just the kind of you know or those albums have that have unexpected successes like Nirvana's Nevermind was like a huge huge multi set million selling album yeah but like they never set out to record an album where they were gonna shoot up the charts with it. Yeah. Um, same mm. with Metallica's Black Album. They always talk about how they felt all the stars aligning on that album, that they're putting together something great. But even then, I don't think anyone would have expected it to have been as successful no, as it no was. No, there's no way you could have predicted it. It's ridiculous, the Black Album, isn't it, in terms of yeah. just with, how popular it was. Exactly. With Hysteria, though, it, that's an album where it feels like they knew exactly the type of record they wanted to make. They had a blueprint for it with Michael Jackson's Thriller, which is amazing. Like, I mean, Michael Jackson's Thriller is one of those albums that actually takes a lot of influence from like rock music as well as a gazillion of the genres. But like, that's an album which, you know, they had the blueprint for like what they want to do and they applied it to like a rock formula. They mm-hmm. also worked with a producer uh, named uh, Mutt Lang, who yeah. is one of the most successful producers across rock and pop of all time. Just to give you an example of like who he's worked with, like ACDC, Def Leppard, obviously, Brian Adams, uh, Celine Dion, Britney Spears... Uh, Maroon 5, Lady Gaga, Nickelback, Muse, and probably most famously as well, like Shania Twain, who was like well, his yeah, wife. Well, yeah, he's uh, Shania Twain's ex-husband. So, yeah. Uh, I think so, it's his most important uh, quality. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Did he do that Shania Twain album that everyone's mum owned? Well, at least I feel like everyone's mum owned Come on over. Come on over, yeah. Yes, he did, Absolute yeah. Absolute belter of an album. Bow, 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 the best-selling bow, bow, country bow. album of all time, apparently. Doesn't surprise yeah. me. It's very, again, that's another one that's very poppy, uh, and well. worldwide success as well. I think it's one of the only country albums that has just sold everywhere. Yeah. But, I mean, I think people don't think of it as a country album, in fact, as much because of uh, how mainstream I mean, and uh, there, successful yeah, there it is was. Yeah, there's that kind of twang on Don't Impress Me Much. Oh, wow, what a great should we, song. Should we talk about that album instead? Yeah, actually, should, uh, I mean, I, dude, I, I could talk about that album all day. <laughs> I feel like I heard it so much as a kid growing up. Yeah, I probably could as well. I, I just remember the videos and Shania Twain looking very hot. Just all round good, good timer. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, back uh, to Death Leopard. Boom. Back to <laughs> <laughs> Now, let's talk about some other good timers. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah and uh it sounds like from from what i've read like the kind of story behind the album it doesn't i mean when your drummer loses his arm (laughs) at the start of recording sessions that's never a good start but it sounds like it's one of those albums where they put in like the years and years worth of work like it didn't come easy to them yeah um and like one of the things that stands out the most to me is definitely the production uh would you agree lewis 100%. 100%. Yeah, so I think this is probably one of the the biggest things that we'll talk about um, with this album because it's it's monumental. So it took three years uh, to record. Now, uh, so this album came out in 1987 um, and it cost $4.5 million to make. Oof. Oof. You can hear it, so, right, can't you, I think? It's, it sounds fucking amazing. It's unbelievable. It's, it sounds like nothing else. It's superb. Um, I think it's, it's the most yeah, 80s sounding album 
it's, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it, 100, like every single thing that came after it just tried to encapsulate that sound right mm. everything yeah um and it makes sense as well when you say like uh the, the, the artist that mutt lang worked with so like Celine Dion, for example like that's exactly the same kind of production that was yeah, applied to michael this, brighton right? as well yeah exactly um so the band when they made this they had to sell three million copies just to break even God, that's such a gamble, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, obviously it's paid off, but wild. at the time we must have been shitting it. Yeah. Even if you're confident in your sound. You can't predict success, right? So I guess yeah. uh, one, of the, one of the big things that Mutt Lang said to them uh, before, he said, look, you've got to choose it. You can either be a cool band, a good band, or a great band. And he said, if you want to be a great band, you have to put the work in. Um, and I think that was the kind of the ethos Mm. that they really, really took sure. going into it. So, yeah, the the production itself and the recording is just monumental. It's it's unbelievable. I guess we, uh, we'll start going through the tracks then, because uh, there is a fair few of them, and they all deserve, well, for the most part, like a bit of time in the sun. Um, so, yes, mm. track number one, Women. Uh, what a great intro already. Um, do you know what the first thing I noticed? I listened to this yesterday, and the first thing I noticed was like the production. And like it's weird because we talk about like technical bands, uh, and with Def Leppard, like there is almost like a sort of technical attention to detail. Yes, but it's not in a look how many notes we can play, look how complicated this is. It is just all in the layers of the music. Mm-hmm. And Women is such a great example of that. Like there is just so much going on in the song. Uh, from the guitar parts, the drums, like the actual layers of vocals as well. Whenever like, I think so of the subtleties, Leppard, I always think of the backing vocals because they just sound so yes. unique compared to anything else I've heard. They could, it's just so, I can't really describe it. It's so overproduced, but well, not overproduced, that sounds bad. It's so like polished, I guess, or layered. So this this is the kind of thing, right? Is that this album was made on tape that's what's absolutely mind-blowing is that if if you want to layer these all these vocals and all these guitars in the way that they did um you have to physically sit there and cut tape and align it up with other with other tape so they were running through like a 24 track um tape machine right they would do all of the guitars then they would essentially bounce that down to a single track. So this one track then has like 26 guitars on or whatever. (laughs) And then, so you'd have to kind of like mix everything in all these like weird stages because you don't have the technology you have now. So um, Mutt Lang has always said, he's like, yeah, if if we had Pro Tools back then, it would have just been like the easiest thing. Like this, a lot of how they recorded this album is is just become commonplace now. Um, so like in the seventies, you got a band into a studio, you set everyone up, you mic'd everything up and they played, right? That was it. Maybe mm. the guitarist would come in and do some overdubs. Maybe the singer, you know, would do some other bits, but this band played live. Whereas in the eighties, everything got so, you know, they, they wanted that polish. They wanted to approach things from a slightly more surgical level and you would get maybe the drummer to come in and do their parts. Then you'd get the guitarist to do theirs. And everyone's recording separately, but trying to catch that feel, right? Mm. Um, I guess going into this one, one thing that I've, I've 
thinks really interesting. On Pyromania, which is the album before this, mm-hmm. they actually... Also a fantastic album. Great album. Mm. And sets this one up perfectly, right? That is yeah. the absolute transition between that early sound and hysteria. So Pyromania uh, was the first one where they actually... They started recording with the guitars first. But not just any guitar. They recorded the bass first. Uh, and it became a nightmare because apparently the studio was so humid that the tension on the ba- bass strings would kind of give slightly because of the heat. So they didn't realise because when you're just le- hearing a bass guitar on its own, right, for a whole song, it's kind of hard. You've got no other strings to kind of gauge it against. Mm. Sure. So they wouldn't realise that actually the tuning would just be slipping throughout um. the whole song. So then when they had to come in and do the guitars, they had to record to like, they would do the verse section then they would have to kind of tune everything ever so slightly out of tune oh my to God. do the bridge section and then exactly the same for the chorus. So, like, the tuning on that album is all over the fucking place. So on Hysteria, uh, they didn't do that. They didn't go with a bass first, which is fuck, like, it's an insane idea to do anyway. Uh, they did all the guitars first to a click track. So, yeah, they could actually kind of measure, like, oh, shit, yeah, everything is in tune. Everything's good. Why so, would they go for a bass yeah. first? The recorder. I have, I have no fucking idea why you would ever go for a bass first. And they recorded like the it in a freezer, didn't they, as well? To. This they time. What? They recorded it in a freezer, didn't they, this time to make sure <laughs> there's no humidity um, on the bass. Also, to make sure they could keep their teased hair in place as well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was actually in the back of a uh, Waitrose supermarket. They just recorded <laughs> off hours. <laughs> That's because they had lofty ambitions for um, that For Pyromania, recorded it in like a Tesco's. Yeah, exactly. That's why it cost <laughs> yeah, so much yeah. money. Um, yeah, then they moved to Aldi. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, it says a lot about like the aspirations of this album, where like the very first track, Women, lyrically, is basically Joe Elliott telling a horny version of the Book of Genesis. Well, it's 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 a real like pro-women song is the whole kind of idea of that one uh, is that they they didn't want to kind of go down the normal uh like misogynist kind of route that i guess at this time in 1987 or well 1984 when they started i guess was pretty rife i mean in sure. music. i mean i'll give you the bridge before the final yeah. chorus it says i give you hair eyes skin on skin legs thighs what's that spell women <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't. <laughs> you need to go back to school. Yeah. Um, oh, no, does he mean like magical spell? Yeah. The, the whole, <laughs> the whole, uh, the whole. Uh, lyrically, the first track is all about like it's basically the book of Genesis. It's like in the beginning, God made the land. Then he made the water, the creatures. Then he made man. He was born of a passion, love and hate, a restless spirit with a need for a mate. But there was something that was missing, something lost. So he came with the answer, and here's what it cost. One part love, one part wild, one part lady, one part child. I give you women, women, lots of pretty women. <laughs> yeah. So I guess. Thanks, Joelle. I guess what what I should say is that um, it was an interview with Phil Collin, uh, who's the guitarist for Def Leppard at the time, and still still is. Uh, yeah. He he said that yes, it was meant to be kind of like a real pro women track i guess the problem here is i don't think joel is very good lyricist <laughs> no we'll get into that on some of the other tracks okay. i think um i describe him as a horny lyricist. <laughs> but i guess maybe compared to what other bands were putting out at the time 
This was a exactly. lot more. If yeah. you think of like Motley Crue's like Girls, 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 for example. Yeah. Yes. Mm. Completely. Um, but yeah, this, as soon as that song came on, like I, I just had like a huge like smile on my face. And like this album genuinely made me feel like amazing. Mm-hmm. There is like almost like a, I mean, they, they kind of reference it themselves, but like a euphoric type feeling to this record in that like every song is just very uplifting. Yeah. Uh, like it just makes you feel, it's perfect, a perfect album for like the amazing weather we're having at the moment. Yeah. It's, it's the, it's got to be top 10 barbecue album, I would say. Yeah. Like I, I struggle to think of barbecues I've been to where at least one Def Leppard song from this album wasn't played at some point <laughs> during yeah. it. Like it's just, it's just great Mo, barbecue I think Mutt Lang makes every album with the intention of it being played at a barbecue at some point. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that wouldn't be a bad way to go about it, would it? If, uh, if that was your goal. I mean, yeah. Mission yeah. accomplished. <laughs> uh, then from that they go into like I would, I'll tell you what as well like this album honestly it is just hit after hit for like probably the first like probably seven or so songs like it, every song just like it's almost like a how to describe it it's like a assault <laughs> you know it just yeah. it, it, hits it sounds you like a great hit assist, doesn't hit. it yeah yeah I would it, say, that's a really good way to scratch it sounds like a great album. album yeah <laughs> I think um, one thing as well on that is that I like I actually don't listen to this whole album that regularly, so I do kind of forget sometimes a couple of the tracks that are on there, mm. uh, and then when they come back around, it's like, oh yeah, it's a fucking great song. Well, do you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I've I te- when I listen to this album, I tend to listen to all in one go, and I think if I had one criticism of it, I'd say it's probably like maybe it's maybe two tracks too long. Um, just because like they are firing on all cylinders and it's so hard to mm. keep up that like that pace uh, especially when you've got like like if you look at the vinyl of this like the first half of this album is women rocket animal love bites pour some sugar on me armageddon it like yeah. that is just one side like how can you compare it with that like you know like I, I can't think of a better first side of an album yeah <laughs> I, I think ending on the title track would have been for me probably where it should end but yeah, just because I always forget the last two tracks on the album. Mm. There's probably a couple I would skip, but we'll get to those when we get to them. Mm. Uh, next up is Rocket, um, which is again another big tune. This is one where they really go to town with like the production stuff, like the more like yeah. poppy rather than rock production. Oh, the chorus is insane. Uh, I w- how many vocal takes do you reckon there are on this album, on, oh, this, on this particular fucking... track? An insane amount. I mean, and this is another thing as well. I think the, I can't remember what the engineer is called. It's Nigel something. Um, that's really, really poor journalism on my part. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I mean, there's been there were people in and out of the studio, right, on this one. Loads mm. of people were involved. Um, but he was saying that like they would spend entire nights just going through, especially on this track, getting creative with like how they were putting delays in. Cause again, they would be doing everything manually. So you'd be recording another sample of like the 26 tracks you had, putting it into one piece of tape and then cutting it and offsetting it against the same thing. So you've got like your delay track. So it's, it is mental. The amount, it's just mind boggling. Mm. As, as Nigel, Nigel Green, one of the engineers, Oh, classic Nigel Green record. Yeah. yeah. It's got his fingerprints all over it. 
<laughs> again lyrically like it just says a lot about like what the band's aspirations are because like the song is almost like a kind of a little bit of a not quite history of rock but it, it's just basically full of um references to like classic classic rock songs and uh, other artists like references like sergeant pepper siggy uh bernie and the jets um like yeah elton john queen david bowie mm. uh finn lizzy uh beatles uh that kind of stuff like they are basically i mean don't want to quote lofty ambition but like they're basically kind of like that is like what they're aiming for yeah for sure for sure. I, th- I I do kind of think that the lyrics in this track are hot garbo. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just a kind of a list of <laughs> songs oh. and people that exist. Yeah, completely. <laughs> but like, but what they do is they put it into an incredibly catchy melody. Yeah, exactly. So you and don't notice it as much. That's the genius of it, yeah. All I care about is when that chorus comes on. Yeah, I'm singing like, Rocket. Yeah. Satellite of love. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing. Whenever you take any of these lyrics just as they are on their own, it's so shit. It's unbelievable. Like, also, like, what is a satellite of love as well? Like, is it the Reed song, isn't it? Is that is that what it is? Okay, there yeah, you yeah. go. Off of a Transformer, ah. I think. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, it is. Yeah, it's Lou Reed song. So that's even funnier. But that's. Do you reckon they ran out of time to do lyrics and they were just like, "Fuck it." <laughs> <laughs> Who do we like? What will scan in with the music? Quick. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I still don't know. I st- even though it's a Lou Reed song, I'm still not entirely sure what a satellite of love is. When I think of a satellite, I think it's implied distance. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think it's one of those things. It sounds good. Like, it sounds until amazing. you think about it. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. In the context 100%. of the song, it makes perfect sense that you would follow up the word rocket with <laughs> a satellite of love. Like I've never questioned it before. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe as a whole it doesn't make sense compared to the core uh, versus yeah maybe uh, then we go <laughs> in from that into animal oh just on on rocket mm. um so rocket's ne- yeah. it's never one that like i particularly love from this album oh um, i disagree i love this one it's it's one that i love parts of but I find myself, for most of this song, just waiting, right? Because as soon as it comes into that last chorus where they bring the uh, the backbeat up mm. and it's just going for it, that mm. is, like, ecstasy. It is amazing. And, it, yeah, I just feel like the whole song just builds up to that one moment. And oh, you want to like get straight perfect to it? Release. I just yeah. live for the bit in the middle where it has the breakdown and all of, like, the backwards, like, sci-fi vocals. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They said, they said, didn't they, they wanted to do... Um, they wanted to see the Star Wars of um, like audio. Was that was that their aspiration? That, that was what really they what they said. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Oh, that explains uh, why uh, a lot of uh, newer stuff isn't as good. <laughs> <laughs> I hey. like it. Current. Nice. Nailed it. <laughs> nice. Nailed it. Uh, Dan, any additional thoughts on Rocket? Uh, it's just a banger, isn't it? Really. Uh, Fucking huge. I don't know. It's just so good. And it's not <laughs> not my favourite on the album. But again, it's just like a... There's so much good stuff on here. Mm-hmm. Even the ones that I don't think of as much, still incredible compared to like other bands' output. It's just mad. Yeah, it's, it's an embarrassment of riches. Uh, I feel like most people, even if, you've, uh, if you are not 
familiar with Def Leppard may have heard this song as well, but um, Animal yeah. uh, is up next. Ah. Um, apparently this song took like three years to write. Yeah, isn't, this, isn't this, this one was like the most difficult to record, I think? Or Yeah. I mean, when you, when you listen to what's going on, at any one time there's about like eight harmonised guitars feeding back just fading in and out of the track like there's there is so much happening in this so so much like but i think it's it's also the shortest song on the album as well yeah it's a it's a great song it's one of my absolute favorites um i think it just sounds gorgeous but it sounds so rich and like i think it was one of the first times that they really used electric guitars as like a texture Mm. Do you know what I mean? It was something that, like, before, you know, you would pad out with synths or something like mm. that. But they've kind of created their own synths via just massive, massive layers of guitar. Yeah, yeah, it's, um... It's, it's so... Yeah, the, the sound of it is just is so unique. Um, mm-hmm. It's also got that kind of... I don't know, like, the, uh, the actual... It reminds me a little bit of, like... Um, the guitar in like the Miami Vice theme. I don't know what it is about it. It doesn't yeah. sound identical, but it's got that similar kind of like. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, it's got that kind of like very soothing kind of feeling to it. Then you yeah. get the big chorus in the middle. Also, apparently this this album this song has a line like the restless rust. I never sleep, which is apparently a Neil Young reference to Rust Never Sleeps. So interesting. Yeah, they really are putting themselves on a pedestal on this album. It's not of a fake it till you make it. If we tell everyone we're as good and as big as these other artists, then people will eventually <laughs> accept it. Is, is, uh, this, hey, is this the one works. where the music video is set in a circus? Yes. Yes. It is that yeah. one, yeah. Yeah. The weird video. Uh, the videos, for the, all the videos for this record are great. I don't like, remember the other videos for it. I, knew, I don't know why. I only remember oh the Oh my um, God. The video for Pour Some Sugar On Me is incredible. I, um, yeah. We'll just, I'll just jump quickly to it. But the video for it is basically them performing in like a derelict building, which is being uh, demolished as they play. And okay. I think all the women on the building site are all, everyone on the building site, apart from Def Leppard, is like a sexy woman in like a hard hat and like booty <laughs> shorts or whatever. And like, there's a little plot to it. It's like a European building site. Safety first. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I want to say, like, at the end of the video, you think like the band will have like basically perished with all the buildings being demolished, <laughs> but then it cuts to a shot of everyone with their back to the camera. Then they turn around; it's the entire band revealing that actually they're okay and they survived. <laughs> so it was like a nice little plot oh, twist in there. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> they had a lot of money, so we had to stay alive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Love bites up next. Big. One of my favourites. One of my absolute favourites. Like, it's a good I, lo- I love a good 80s rock ballad, and this one is just absolutely... Mwah, it's a beauty. Yeah. Uh, the lyrics are... Um... Okay, here we go. Let's get to the lyrics, because this is what I was also thinking <laughs> of. It's a, great, it's a great song. And, uh, it's a really great song. Just maybe don't listen to the lyrics that closely. Okay, too late. I'm going to go through them right now. <laughs> Some of it's good. Uh, uh, if you've got love in your sights, watch out. Love bites. When you make love, do you look in the mirror? <laughs> Who do you think of? Does he look like me? Do you tell lies and say it's forever? Or do you think twice? Or just touch and see? Oh, babe. Oh, yeah. When you're alone, do you let go? Are you wild and willing or is it just for show? 
Ooh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> I think this this is one as well, right? That this is what I find really interesting is that Def Leppard are a band that is so much more than the sum of their parts. Yes. Because when you think we oh, we've mentioned it before, but when you think of like other singers that are on the scene at the time, like when this came out, Axel Rose is there. You've got David Coverdale. Other oh, singers from Sheffield. Got, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Rod Stewart. Uh, <laughs> like you, you've got these huge, huge, powerful voices that completely defined eighties rock. Right? It's just absolute sheer wailing. Uh, mm. It's amazing. Joe Elliott is not one of those singers at all. Um, no, I don't know. I feel like he's got. He does have like. I want to think of his voice. It does sound like the classic '80s rock. Like instead of singing like love, you say. I think yeah. I think in the way that he says things, like in his diction, love, everything's very much there. But like not in not for power or amazing technique. But in this song, he sounds great. Yeah, and I think if you did have one of those huge voices, if you put Sebastian Bach on this album, it would sound so fucking weird. Oh, yeah, so like brilliant. it's it it just works perfectly with all of the other guys' voices. Um, he's kind of, he's got a bit of like a a Brian Johnsony kind of grip he, as well when he gets up there, but just massively yeah. unsupported. He yeah, it, his voice is really like it. It kind of almost like betrays their origins a little bit because like his voice when you listen to like the really early stuff, he is going for like that kind yeah. of um, hard rock Brian Johnson. Or uh, you know ACDC kind of like whale, mm-hmm. uh, and his like red vocal register is so high. And then as you get like later on, as like they get bigger and bigger and more poppy, he tends to go for more of that husky kind of breathy, like Brian Adams kind of vibe. I think as well, part of it came down to like those first albums was him just going for it mm. without really knowing much about technique. Yeah, um, yeah, definitely. So I think he probably. I would imagine that he lost a few notes uh, from doing oh, that. Because oh, it, yeah, it, sorry. I'll let, no, I'll let you finish, mate. Go for it. Because it sounds like, even on Hysteria, it doesn't sound like the most kind of technically well-supported vocal. Mm. But again, like, would you change it? Would you change it for anything on this album? No, no. I wouldn't change anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> even the lyrics. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's, there's probably two. There's two things I would change in this album. But it's just okay. cutting at least two tracks off it. Sure. I think, okay. I think this should. Have, if this was a ten-track album, it would mm. be. I mean, I think it's it is a perfect album for what it is because, like, it's just it. The production, like the hit singles, like capturing that moment in time perfectly. Like, it's just it is fantastic. It is like all the best things about Def Leppard, and maybe some of the worst things all rolled into one. But it is the ultimate <laughs> Def Leppard album. But mm-hmm. like, if you wanted to like, you know, cut the, trim the fat, like, to be able to write an album where you're going to have twelve potentially hit singles is not easy. Is because it's also quite a long album. It's it's over an hour long. Like, just to, as you get towards like the second half of the album, towards the back end, you go, okay, this is a good song on its own. But if you're stacking it up to like, pour some what sugar on me and it? love bites and stuff like that you know it's that is esteemed company to keep and like it doesn't quite some of the songs towards the back end don't quite live up to those expectations mm. mm-hmm. um i also think some of like the slightly weaker moments of the album are when def leppard kind of go back to try and sort of like mimic their older sound 
and they try and do like the more up tempo rock rock songs because I feel so, at this point like you know they found their groove with like stuff like yeah Rocket Animal and like Armageddon it like that kind of mid paced sort of uh, big arena rock song when they go back to like the slightly faster ones it doesn't quite feel like they're comfortable in that zone anymore so one of the weird things as well that you need to think about is that this was recorded over three years mm. during one of the biggest changes of music ever right like the the 80s just went you went from led zeppelin to grunge uh within 10 years so yeah. there were so so many kind of small movements happening um they said that whilst they were recording they may be like halfway through and then um you give love a bad name came out mm-hmm. and they were like fuck okay so actually we need to produce everything heavier to kind of keep up with that so at the same time like you're trying to create this this one perfect sounding album but you do also have to kind of think about what is going on because if you want this to sell like chasing trends Exactly. Yeah, there is still a bit of that. So yeah. it's, they're it's, in that, it's they're in that weird position that... where they're they're trying to create obviously something which is uniquely them, but at the same yeah. time also making sure they're kind of on top of what else, is, what everything that's in the charts. Uh, yeah, yeah, and also I guess if you think about it, like their their sensibilities, like from Pyromania to when this album came out, would have probably changed. Like there are some songs that sound almost like obviously production is different, but stuff like Don't Shoot Shotgun. And for example, and uh, Run Riot definitely feel like they would, with the, if the production was more stripped back, would fit a little bit better on Pyromania. Mm, okay. Yeah. Um, but I, I feel guess. like this, the, with Def Leppard, they've always had like this weird. I don't feel like they've always ever been comfortable with like where they are or who or how they're sort of seen as a band. Because like, I've seen interviews in the past with Joe Elliott where at one point he was really rejecting the fact that they were ever like a hard rock heavy metal band and that he said no we've always been like a pop band that's always you know i think it was around the time when they brought out a covers album oh interesting and that mm. he he really considered them to be like more of a pop band than a rock band and then at the same time i've also seen him be interviewed saying they didn't get enough credit for their influence on early british heavy metal as well <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but like and like yes they're a band that has like a ton of influences but I think they're also a band which has never quite been comfortable being one thing or the other, or maybe being or wanting to be branded one thing or the other. Yeah, if they want to be a rock band, like a lot of their heroes, but they also want that big pop success as well. Yeah. Yeah, I guess they want the kind of um, authenticity, I guess, that you would associate with, like, rock. Yes, with the mega stardom of pop. Exactly. Yeah. And, like, so, and some bands can do that, can get that, while also still almost like maintaining like their rock sound and image. And Def Leppard tried to kind of definitely walk the line between the two. And on this album, it works 100%. Yeah, oh, perfectly. Yeah, Yeah. but they've they've always been in that kind of weird sort of like camp where like, you know, maybe they're not one thing or the other, or maybe they're a little bit uncomfortable with being too much of one, too much of the other. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I would agree. You can... Hear it all. Also, do we need? When are we talking about the album cover? By the way, uh, <laughs> let's do it. Let's go to it. Yeah, I just suddenly caught my eye. I know we're doing track. I've never quite known what it is. It's yeah, the worst. We, we, al- is it the worst album cover of all time? Or? No, I love it. I, I think it's cool, it. man. I it's can't work so, out. It's so eighties and like yeah. I can't work out if I think it's brilliant, um, <laughs> or garbage. 
Okay, what if I put this to you? Do you know what Death it looks Leopard like? The have never had good album covers. Oh no, they definitely haven't. Uh, I quite like the album cover for uh, Pyromania, though. Yeah, Pyromania. I really like that one. It's a bit dark yeah, I feel and like weird. Dave Mustaine saw the Pyromania album cover. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like this yeah. is everything. <laughs> but like, there's a face on this on uh, Hysteria's album cover. It looks like at the end of Terminator Two when the T one thousand's melting. Yeah, it's very ahead of its time. Mm. Like, yeah, it's like going through all the different faces that it was. Yeah, it and then there's like, like there's like the weird circuit board, and then there's the Bermuda Triangle as well. I mean, the actual font they use for the word hysteria doesn't seem to fit any of that as well. Yeah, I always forget that it's even there. Yeah, yeah it's quite hard to read, to be honest. For for an album title, uh, it's very difficult. <laughs> uh, <laughs> also, actually, do you like, know what? The next what? album cover's worse. Yeah, what 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 are the things also like going into and coming out of its mouth as well? Like, it it's a very weird album cover, and I I think a lot of people probably never actually thought about it that hard. It's like, okay, that's for Def Leppard album with all the songs on it. I'll just grab it. Okay, so I think uh, I like it. I think guys, I like it though. Here's, yeah. here's some um, some intel. So the guy that did it was called Andy Airfix. Um, <laughs> who okay. has he was worked with Led Zeppelin? He's done Metallica, Priest. Um, so when he got the, the job for this, his exact words, he says, uh, it was a typical Def Leppard brief, says the designer. I was given virtually no information. <laughs> <laughs> the album was originally going to be called Animal Instinct. Uh, so I created a sleeve around that, which I think kind of makes sense, right? No. Because um, I, I guess you've got like, you've got that kind of uh, the face there being more like, I don't know, looking like it's giving into the Animal Instinct, I guess, just kind of unhinged uh, i don't know it says uh, i was into the idea of having something turning around to look at you so the illustration <laughs> so that illustration had an eagle a lion and a shark okay maybe which all blended into each other then they changed the title to hysteria so we have to totally <laughs> rework things <laughs> uh cool so the triangle oh hang on shit so the new cover blah, blah, blah. The triangle was a recognisable image for leopard fans. <laughs> leopard fans love triangles. Just classic triangles. <laughs> yeah. And, and most human beings as well. Yeah. <laughs> I, I guess when they were targeting invented triangles. Album, though, they, were, they were just targeting every human being to sell this album yeah. to. What do human do you, beings do know? You like triangles? triangles. Also, I'm looking through. Okay, I guess on their old original logo on like the very first album, uh, on Free the Night, which is a weird ass album cover. It's like a weird ZZ Top type thing, but instead of like a cool kind of like car, like in all the ZZ Top albums, <laughs> it's just like a, it's a oh, truck. Yeah, that's terrible. It's a, flat, it's a flatbed truck with a guitar yeah, really, on the back flying shit. through a moon definitely made of cheese. Yeah. <laughs> but wow. if you look, the, the logo is in that triangle. It is. Uh, so they said that, yeah, uh, the triangle was a recognisable image for Leopard fans, so that seemed like a good starting point. I think, yes, probably having their logo is a good starting point. Uh, then it was just a case of creating something that was frightening in some respects. The full-on face we used is almost human, but the side view isn't, retaining the animal aspect. The idea was that this thing turning around to face you made it scarier. The kind, of album, the kind of album that you want to go into a store, look at it and go, oh, that's too terrifying, I don't want to buy it. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I'm just going through our album covers now, but they're terrible. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is probably the best album cover they've got apart from Pyromania. Uh, yeah, 100%. And I think it sucks. 
Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, this is... Have you, have you, if you go on Wikipedia, you can obviously just click through the albums. Yes. What the hell? Oh, yeah. Songs from the Sparkle Lounge as well, obviously. Great. <laughs> right, they haven't got any better with age either. Songs, like from, songs from the Sparkle Lounge, that album which we've referenced constantly. That's their cover album, isn't it? Is that the cover album? Okay, because yeah. the the actual cover for that looks no, no, that's not the cover album actually. That's that's original stuff. Oh, is it? Uh, yeah, you just assume with uh, a title like that it would be. But the album it's... cover is basically like them trying to do like a Sergeant Peppers. One hundred percent, one hundred percent trying to be Sergeant Peppers. Yeah, of course it is. That's nothing so, there's nothing subtle about it. They just put <laughs> curtains on it and put it inside a uh, like Royal Albert Hall or something. <laughs> um, speaking of on through the night, on through the album. Um, yes. So we one thing which I think is really interesting is you went to see Def Leppard fairly recently, Lewis, right? I say uh, fairly rec- recently. I've, I've seen them loads of times, man. Yeah. You say, I remember you saying last time you saw them, they tried to change Armageddon into like some sort of political song or political message. Was that right? Ugh. Yeah. Fuck. I, Jesus Christ. I, oh, man. I, def- I think I spoke about this on the cast. I can't yeah. even remember some of the things that they had. I think they had... No, shit. Okay, so yes, yeah, so they were playing... Are we on Armageddon there? Are we already Yes. There? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we're okay. not. I mean, we're we've, not, no. But um, I guess... We, we were talking about Love Bites and Pour Some Sugar on Me. I think we, we had a little bit of a crossover on those ones. All right. Uh, we, we can go back to Pour Some Sugar on Me, but whilst we are just, just mentioning Hysteria, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, Armageddon it. So this, this song uh, where the chorus is, give me all of your loving, give me yeah. all that you got, every bit of your loving, uh, never let it stop, whatever. Um, but you're getting it. The whole time that this was happening, they had a a counter going up of total deaths in the world. Jesus. (laughs) I don't remember you telling us that before. (laughs) It was just this counter just going up. It was like, total deaths due to war. Oh, God. Who's up for? Death. Who was that aimed at? That's terrible. I don't know. I have no idea who this was for. Also, just, hey, there's actually a... Okay, so just to go through the lyrics again, just to see how these correlate. Um, You try coming on when you need some, but then you don't because you already did. Yeah, you jangle your jewels while you're shaking you and drive the pretty (laughs) boys out of their heads. You got it, but are you getting it? You flash your bedroom eyes like a jumping jack, then play it pretty with a pat on the back. You know you can't stop it, so don't rock it. You know you got it. Hey, but are you getting it? It sounds like David Lee Roth uh, podcast. <laughs> <laughs> David Lee Roth beat poetry. Yeah. I, honestly, I, I love this song so much. It's amazing. And mm-hmm. I could not fucking tell you most of the lyrics in it. I have no, no. idea what Joe Elliott's saying. But so you about, can't, then you build on Everything just sounds like that. It's an 80s rock song. It's about fucking... <laughs> <laughs> but it's also got the word Armageddon in there, so so mm. draw your death. Own Cold War anxieties, you see. Mm. Um, I can't this, believe I had a death counter. I love. Um, <laughs> I, lo- I just want to say that I love the guitar solo on this one. See, yeah, that's that's Steve Clark. Mm. He goes, Come on, Steve. Yeah. Oh yeah. The solos on this album are like they're not like big like 
super no, 80s cock rock shredding solos, but they're all exactly what the songs need at the right time. Yeah, like, absolutely. Yeah. They're perfect. Um, yeah. That's why I love the, the solo in um, Women as well. Like, just mm. the way it hits, it, it hits every note at the right time, just to, yeah, yeah it's, it's absolutely fantastic. Big advocates of all of that beautiful stuff they did. It's wonderful. Just, just, uh, how, just even how the notes are hit, they just hit perfectly and just, oh. Yeah. Mm. As, as it's it's so, like, this is like a guitarist wet dream, man. Everything's so perfect. It's what I find amazing about this record, like lyrically, thinking about it, is the fact that they had three years to write and record it. <laughs> and, every, and every lyric so far sounds like it was written an hour before they went into the studio. Yeah. And it's not like Joe plays an instrument, does he? He just sings. He, I think has he, plays, played, some, he plays a bit of guitar. Yeah, uh, so what, but guitar, I mean, yeah. what's he been doing for three years? Is my my, my point. <laughs> Maybe he's been working on his melodies. The melodies well, are perfect. Say, to be fair, it doesn't say who was there for three years. <laughs> Good point, actually. Yeah, this coke won't snort itself, guys. <laughs> I, mean, I just feel like all these lyrics are written quickly down on the back of a packet of cigarettes, just very quickly. Yeah, like it's out. weird because you also get some artists who infamously like write that. It's weird because like, if you if you compare like, again apples and oranges maybe but like big mega rock albums Nirvana's Nevermind for some of the lyrics on that are absolutely nonsensical and were written literally within like five minutes we'll go into the studio yeah but those all feel like they have like a degree of substance to them as well and it's all part of his charm <laughs> with that I would say yeah whereas this is bit this isn't clearly enough random or silly lyrics or like odd lyrics this is there's too much of a you can tell he's put effort into them. <laughs> which I think is the worst yeah. which makes it worse if it was just mm. quickly hashed out and you think okay fine I, but it feels like there's been some thought put into them I, I think <laughs> I think maybe the main thought about this is giving every song like a very very obvious lyrical hook it doesn't really need to, need oh, to yeah. make a lot of sense like if you think about a lot of pop songs like lyrically you know it's not necessarily about what they're saying it's about how they're saying it yeah no absolutely and I think in that respect he absolutely nails it but again, if you, considering that he's comparing himself to like the Beatles and David Bowie and Lou <laughs> Reed, <laughs> he's not exactly bringing like their lyrical Lofty. genius to the table. Yeah, or and Elton John as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I, I guess that's it. It's stadium rock, right? All you want to do mm. is go and shout "Whoa, yeah!" Yeah, give it a yes. Whoa, yeah, absolutely, yeah. I think, I think, I think they know that, and I think maybe I'll give them the benefit of a doubt and say that's what they were going for. And in that respect, they absolutely nail it. Mm. Although other albums that did massive, uh, "Faith No More" is the real thing. Mike Patton wrote every single lyric and melody two weeks prior to recording them. <laughs> <laughs> They also, I, they, they, no. they also, I'm trying to think if they also, no, Faith No More, it didn't come out in 97, it was like 90, it was like 89, wasn't it? Yeah. Real yeah. Thing. yeah mm. A couple of years later. It's so weird to think that those albums came out two years apart. Yeah, this whole, this whole era is fascinating. So it's much wild, happened. isn't it? Yeah. And so also, much happened. Like, because also in 87, we also get Appetite for Destruction. Yeah. Which again mm. is about, but in terms of like big arena rock albums, is about as far away from this as you can get, while yeah, also yeah. being <laughs> Still on the same being page. A big arena rock album. Yeah, precisely. Again, I guess with GNR, they weren't writing that album with the aspiration of being a huge arena rock band. They were writing it with the aspiration of just probably being able to play some gigs to get some more booze and yeah, <laughs> drugs. Yeah, and oh, go, yeah, 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 yeah. And keep going. Very yeah. different. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this also came out like a year after like. 
um, Master of Puppets and Rain in Blood. Yeah. <laughs> and to think, like, there's so, so much happened in the 80s. Must yeah. have been a fucking wild time to be a music fan back then when this stuff was coming out. Completely, yeah. You oh, can almost insane. see you can almost see why like you have that big sort of um rivalry between people into like their hair glam sort of like pop metal yeah. and the people into like their thrash and stuff like that because like these are two un- same genres, same hard rock heavy metal, but like an absolute universe apart. Like and, musically, lyrically, aesthetically. And we all know that when you're born you you have to like it's like picking a Pokemon, right? You can only like one of them. Yes, uh, yeah, so you're definitely. never ever allowed to enjoy yeah, or if, yeah, anything it, good about the other. Yeah, it negates everything else, doesn't it? It's like <laughs> if they remake your favorite film, then unfortunately you don't have that original film to enjoy anymore. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, the same, same with isn't bad it? sequels as well. Actually, <laughs> yeah. uh, when they make a bad sequel, like, I can't enjoy Godfather one and two because I don't like three as much. So I've just yeah. had to write the whole thing off. <laughs> uh, how much of this album sound do you think was built around the the different drum kit that was used well that's a really good question almost, problems with it, didn't they um, um almost with. none of it almost none of it had anything to do with the drums because oh, really yeah because everything was recorded before the drums huh because i know he really Wait. struggled to get used to his new kit and set so, that- understandably um yeah yeah isn't that also pretty much the opposite of how most bands will record? Isn't the drums usually one of the first things they record? Well, so okay, so here's an interesting uh, thing. We just mentioned Master of Puppets. Mm. Mm. All, all the guitars laid down first. That was how Hetfield, uh, was when Hetfield Prime would record everything, guitars first, bass, then the drums would come, on, uh, come last. Mm. Huh. Some might say, maybe do it again, but... <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, um, so it's it's really really strange. The the idea I because even if I'm recording stuff at home, I'll I'll program drums. But obviously you couldn't mm. do that back then. They had a drum machine just keeping a click, but it was yeah. literally bass and snare. So it'd be boom ga boom ga, and that was it, right? Because mm. it, it, they were so limited by the technology of their time that they had to adapt everything they could to make something super forward-thinking, and it kind mm. of mapped out how production would go. And then because of all the things that they achieved with this, music technology changed to do those things. Do you know what I mean? It influenced how records sounded, so it influenced yeah. the technology that needed to be developed to make records exactly. sound like that. Like, I want to it's make huge. a record that sounds yeah. like Def Leppard's Hysteria. Like, are you kidding I don't me? Have, I don't okay. have three years and four and a half million dollars. Okay, I was cool, say, yeah. yeah. Let, let's, okay, let's work out how to, to get the tech to do this for us. Yeah, exactly. Um, do you know what's really interesting as well, actually? Pyromania, the album before that, which, uh, again, actually, almost as essential as this one in many ways. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, also, it's, it's a two-parter, man. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely, yeah. Like, like, um, Howie to Hell and Back in Black. Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah, you know, those, uh, those double, double one-two punches. Um, that album was kept off the top of the, that album was kept off the top of the charts by Thriller. It actually debuted at number two in the US, huh. uh, and would have, uh, debuted at number one, but Thriller kept it off. So it's almost like they bore a grudge. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. Out thriller, thriller. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So um, one of the reasons that this this album sounds like it does is all down to how the guitars are recorded. Mm. Um, so they they've always used Marshall amps. So you've got your big, you know, your classic rock amp, right? Mm. They tried using them on this, but just could not 
get the sounds to work for the amount of layers and things they wanted. It just sounded like shit. Mm. So they used uh, little Rockman amps, which were so pristinely clean that they could then kind of like reroute things. So they would just get this super, super clean guitar signal down. Mm. Uh, and then if they decided later down the line that they didn't want to commit to this sound, that's fine. They could just run that tape back through a different amp or a different series of effects or whatever and re-record. So it gave them the flexibility that you have now of just being able to go into Logic or Pro Tools and just click and change amps or whatever. Um, so that was a big part of the sound. But with that, because it was so pristine and so like unforgiving, you had to... So in uh, Hysteria is a great example, right? When they were playing it, you've got this gorgeous clean sound but they can't, every time they would move their fingers, you would hear more fret sound than actual guitar. So you've got, uh, so what they would have to do is they would have to split it down chord by chord so they could just record the cleanest possible version of that, that hand structure. So you'd have your ding, 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 cut go in and record the ding, 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 ding. And they would do the whole thing like that. Um, Phil Collins said, even sometimes recording as much as a string at a time. That's insane. Now this, yeah, so this is an interesting thing because it sounds like, oh, anyone, I could give you guys a guitar and you could put your finger on a fret and hit a fret and we could make an album, right? Sure, yeah. It sounds like that. It's absolutely not. It's so much harder trying to, do that and make it sound natural. It's like, you know, um, Chris Adler or uh, Dave Grohl as well, actually, um, mm. record a lot of stuff. Uh, Chris Adler did it for Sacrament, Lamb of God drummer, where he, the engineer is a guy called Machine, who's amazing, the mm. producer. He convinced him to record with no cymbals. So he would do all of the drum parts so he could focus on mostly what his feet were doing. And then he would go back in and record the cymbals. And it's so much harder to then separate those two things and turn it into one cohesive performance. So it's not a thing where it's like, oh, they're cheating because they're punching in these individual things. It's actually, no, you're making a shit ton more work for yourself to try and give a natural performance across like 80 different snippets of a riff. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah, you're, you're kind of going against your natural instinct mm-hmm. in how to write and record and perform. Yeah, and and then the engineer, again, has to physically, with a knife, cut these tapes together. That's so wild. It's nuts, isn't it? It's so cool. It's so, so cool, man. Imagine if album tanked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, it would be ruined yeah absolutely people would still talk about it now wouldn't they but it obviously would be very different yeah in a different yeah like because like of Kevin's a cost involved or something like that yeah yeah, yeah. i was gonna say cleopatra yeah, any of those sort of big budget blocks. yeah so um, albums yeah, yeah i'm trying yeah. to think like chinese all- democracy yeah i guess me <laughs> but what's weird because like y- y- that's y- almost y- beyond y- a flop though isn't y- it yeah you, do, you, you know? don't quite you don't quite hear like of the big massively produced album i guess there's the odd one but you never hear of like you don't often hear about albums that had this much money and time sank into but them the which completely tanked that corn album untouchables um, right well yeah which does sound amazing to be fair but yeah that mm. had a really expensive production yeah. budget didn't it like a but million I, I, I think, not four I think, million yeah i think i think it still sold like <laughs> a fair amount of copies it, oh, it wasn't a flop it was a big hit i mean yeah. that's the last corn album i really 
got into, I think, actually. Uh, Just because yeah. of how it sounded, it was very, yeah. Produ- yeah, production's burnt on it. Same with, um, it came out around the same time, actually, a uh, Deftone self-titled album. That cost like a million dollars to record. And it was just, yeah. it's yeah. It, the production on it is incredible. Like the guitars sound absolutely huge and the vocals, it's a weird album because it's probably one of their heaviest albums, but the vocals are just like really dreamy, kind of almost like, oh yeah, uh, sort of almost like sleepwalking, like melodies, mm. you know, yeah, it's really yeah, interesting. Yeah. Um, this is cool, where so- for me, I was going to say this album, yeah. Like we get gods of wars. It's weird. If okay, if we're gonna add like a political element to any song live, surely it would be gods of war. Which yeah, they you'd did. think so, wouldn't you? But yeah, because they, they had because it's full of it's got like loads of Reagan quotes and yeah. it's got loads of samples <laughs> yeah. of maybe too many quotes. But <laughs> <laughs> well, they, they said the engineer uh, on this album said that he actively was told to find as many quotes as they can possibly sample. And I think <laughs> maybe they took that slightly literally. It's quite distracting <laughs> at times. Oh, on the, I, yeah. I've never been a huge fan of this song. Um, no. Oh, I love this one. I, I like it. I think I'd like it more if it didn't have all this, the quotes peppered throughout the whole thing. I you could cut this like song down to like a three-minute uh, Armageddon it. I, I, yeah. I like it because it's... It just it's just so so it's so much excess to it. And I think this out al- this album is like the definition of excess. Did they have okay. the death counter up during this song? They had um, it going on the entire gig, I'd like to think. <laughs> <laughs> the whole gig. It was Pour some saw... sugar on me with uh, uh just <laughs> <laughs> death count in the background. Incredibly in, in, distracting. Infant, infant mortality, right? Yeah, but yeah, they mix it up. Each uh, each song is a different death counter. Uh, <laughs> Christ, but um, yeah. So this this one as well. I like that it kind of toys with you, right? Because you you kind of think that the chorus is the chorus until it hits into the actual um, yes. we're fighting for the gods of war. Yeah, we don't know what we're fighting for. Bit I, I love it. It plays with you. You think, oh, that's a cool chorus, and it's like, no, that's our pretend I, chorus. I, I'm going to hit you with the real chorus after yeah. the other chorus. Uh, Armageddon it does that as well. Yeah, uh, like I'm a huge fan of any song which you hit you with a pre-chorus like god that's a great chorus but it's like you ain't heard nothing yet but it drops yeah, through the in. real chorus yeah, yeah i like def leppard nail nail that on this album yeah. Ooh, i have actually have one more thing to add on to uh armageddon it because it's the best Ooh. uh it does the perfect fake out so at the end banana da, da, doom oh cool this is a perfect place for this song to end and there's just that part of you it's like i wish they could do that flawless amazing chorus loads more times <laughs> <laughs> don't worry it's it's this, this, this album is chorus city baby i love it it really yep. is yeah it's 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 heavy and pre-chorus um, city as well obviously <laughs> yeah, yeah just fucking everything is a chorus every section yeah. of a song is chorus, a chorus. suburbs chorus city <laughs> check your lease you're in chorus city. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you've got a building permit for that chorus, mate. <laughs> That's the problem with the video for um, Pour Some Sugar On Me. <laughs> they didn't have their permit, so it was getting demolished when they were filming. Um, I don't think we even looked at the lyrics for Pour Some Sugar On Me, by the way. Uh, to me, I think they use it in every film ever, if there's ever like a strip club. Dan well, Cherry Pie. Thing, I feel like yeah. they definitely used it in The Sopranos in that, in that uh, strip club they hang out in like a lot as well. The band have said that they they think that part of the reason that this did so well is down to strippers in Florida. That's amazing. Sure. I can believe that, to be honest. 
I mean, this is like, as well. That's if, their signature song, a, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's the perfect strip club song. Yeah. Well, I meant Def Leppard's signature song, but I guess also strippers. <laughs> <laughs> okay. well. yeah, fair enough. <laughs> no, that's a good point. It did as good for Def Leppard as it did for strippers, is what we're trying to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The lyrics kind of come across like um, something someone might say in a movie when they're like either possessed or in like a fever dream. <laughs> like, yeah. What are they trying to tell us? <laughs> um, God, the lyrics make no sense in this. This yeah. is one of those ones, they actually re recorded this apparently in 2012, which I've not heard. Nope, not going to But there's nope, a trend nope. of bands, I don't know if you know this. No, but there's a lot of bands that do this now. I think Squeeze did it with their back catalogue and it doesn't sound good, but they re record it so that they, it's all to do with royalties and like mm. arguments with the royalties over songs. Okay, yeah. So they'll yeah, yeah. do new recordings of classic songs to get more money that way, but it just never sounds the same because they're usually 20 years older than they were so there's two copyrights for every so every song that's ever created there's two copyrights yeah. there's one which is the the actual writing of it so that's the uh, the lyrics and melody of a song mm-hmm. and then the other is the performance so that's yeah. like the mechanical how this song sounds and how it's recorded yeah uh so yeah if you just go back and re-record it you can just completely move all of those royalties to sure. other performers it just never works, so you can't you can't really bottle lightning. Yeah. In or, the ones I've heard for that reason, it just never sounds the same. Yeah, I want to say, didn't Guns N' Roses do the same re-record Sweet Child of Mine at one point, maybe in the late 90s or early 2000s? I'm not, I don't think so. I feel like Guns N' Roses definitely re-recorded one of their big hits at one point. And it ended Maybe. up on like the the sound- Revenge. It, it ended up on the soundtrack. They did it for like the soundtrack, like Big Daddy or something like that, like an Adam Sandler movie. No, Big Daddy's oh, got a okay. cover of Sweet Child of Mine, but it's, it's like got a, a cover. Ah, okay. yeah, it's like a royalty free version. I think it's a female singer, and it's Tracy oh, Guns. Tra- Pretty sure it's not them. Yeah, it's LA it? Guns. Oh, we got some Tracy Guns news. Well, actually, <laughs> really? yeah. Well, Bo sent us a link, but apparently he's recording a black metal album. What? <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, it's who he's doing it with as well. It's amazing. Yeah. Uh, let's see if I can find it. Tracy, I, I sent it to you. Um, obviously not. So, uh, yeah. Razzling a dazzling, a flash a little light. Television <laughs> lover baby go all night. Sometime, anytime, sugar me sweet. Little miss are innocent. Sugar me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You've just activated a sleep agent somewhere. (laughs) It's so funny, though, because you saying it like that without any context just sounds absolutely terrible. It's not something that you get locked up for. In the context context of a song, it's absolutely brilliant. It's so good. It's like uh, alchemy, isn't it? It's uh, spinning straw into gold. I've got to say, though, in terms of the album, this is after Gods of War. This is where it slightly stumbles for me. This song? Uh, oh, the album. No, oh, no, after God's God's War. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, pour some sugar. Like the little, the little trilogy of Love Bites, pour some sugar on me, and Armageddon. It is just that is, that's why this album succeeded. Yeah. yeah, completely. Cool. So, yeah, oh, no, don't, don't, shoot, don't shotgun. shoot shotgun. Yeah, mm. I, the instrumental section to this, I love. I think it's one of the best instrumental sections on the album. Mm. Uh, I just always forget about the song. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't. It mm. doesn't have a chorus on. Uh, with the quality I think there's three songs to me which I'm like okay if you had to like kind of cut them out it would be yeah Don't Shoot Shotgun Run Riot and Excitable 
Probably definitely excitable, Ooh, actually. Ooh, interesting. Um, so Run Exc- Riot is one of my favourite songs on this entire album. Yeah, I wouldn't cut Run Riot. I oh, love, love it so much. So, so much. The, the way that the they've structured the uh, the harmonies to kind of overlap onto each other. Oh, it's amazing. It sounds so good. Maybe I will go back to it, but it's to me, I always thought it was like one of the weaker songs on this album. Um, which is weird, because I actually really like the title track, and I quite like Love and Affection as well, which are like, obviously they're, they're more ballady. But that to me is just what this album does best because it's just pure melody. Yeah, I know. Run, Run Riot is. Yeah, I mean, does anyone have much more to say about Don't Shoot Shotgun? No. No, I like it. It's just not my favourite okay, on the album. Okay, sell, sell yeah. Run Riot to me then. Run Riot is just one of the, like, the perfect 80s feel good rock songs. Uh, it never fails to put a smile on my face. It's got so much energy in it. I think that's the thing, actually. It's got energy that a lot of this album doesn't because mm. it is really upbeat. Ooh. Yeah, it, it's maybe it really got, upbeat. Yeah, it's maybe got that pyromania energy to it. Yeah, and I, I completely agree. I think this feels like it was probably written off the back of pyromania, mm. maybe. It, it definitely feels more in line with that kind of the rockier stuff. But I love it, man. I absolutely love that song. Nelms, you you say you're a fan of this one as well. Yeah, I really like it. I like sounds. I think I would definitely keep this one. To me, the ones I would cut off would be the last two tracks, probably. Um, Excited one definitely goes. I feel like ending on. I think ending on hysteria is just a really would be a really strong move. Um, Yes. um, But yeah, it's good. It's just not. Run right. It's really good. It's just not as good as what's come before it. I think is the problem. Uh, on any other album, it would probably be more standout. Um, and I think that's his problem, is it comes after, like, the first six songs in particular. Uh, no, first seven, actually, are just absolutely wild. Um, and I think, yeah, it's just sort of one of those songs that gets lost in the back end of an album. Yeah, mm, that's precisely. happened quite a lot on quite a few albums. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I enjoy this with, one like, classic as albums, much yeah. as I enjoy Armageddon it. Like, legitimately, I love it. I absolutely love this song. It's so cool. Huh. It just fills okay. me with joy. Interesting. I'm going I'm to go back and have a listen. I'm going to listen to the album again today, I think. But I'm going to specifically mm. have a listen to Run Riot just because, you know, if I if it turns out I love it, that just makes this album even better, you know? Yeah, and there's, and there's I think, there's certain, like, uh, just chord changes and things that if you do I'm pretty much going to be sold on it yeah. um, and because we all get that right if there's just a series of notes that you really really like yep. this does that and it's just it's the vocals in the the chorus are just absolutely massive and there's mm. just little little movements that they do that my brain is just like craving for them to do and they do it and that's beautiful I think, I think like to me the like the the key of like the best song of this album is after listening to it, I'll have the chorus stuck in my head mm-hmm. for the rest of the day. Mm. And Run Riot's one where the, the chorus does not get stuck in my head. Interesting. Oh, mm. it's always stuck in my head. Yeah. Mm. Um, that said, though, I absolutely love the title track, Mysteria. It's quite good, isn't it? It's, it's excellent. It's sure, pretty it's like, good. It's, it feels like it's like the most sincere song on this album. It genuinely yeah. feels like quite a, a legitimate, like heartfelt ballad. Uh, for all of like the kind of like attempts at like big dick swinging and sort of posturing stuff like that throughout this album, this is just like a really nice, sincere ballad. Like every cl- great '80s rock album needs a good ballad, um, 
because Def Leppard, I think, does have such a good ear for melody. Like, they absolutely nail it. Like, mm. I think this is almost like, God, it's like, I almost think it's like quite an underrated song, actually. When you think of like the big 80s rock ballads. It, I, that's I what it talked one. about, does it? Yeah, not at all. Um, I'm not too sure why that is as well. Cause I, it's I funny because it's, it's the title track as well, you'd think. Yeah. There'd be more uh, focus on it. Yeah, like, uh, yeah, it's, uh, let's have a look. Uh, like, I think it, it was also like a, still a big hit and everything. But even then, I think it wasn't even like the biggest hit for this album, which is crazy. Oh, and they did a re-recorded version in 2012 as well. There so you go. Let's make sure we avoid that, like the plague. Is this going to turn <laughs> out to be like White Snake, where they're just re-recording the same song? I don't. I don't want to get into that. We need to do another episode. <laughs> I, I text you guys about that every week. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely absurd. Yeah, that. I mean, that is 100% royalty play. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I don't. I think it's a sickness. I don't know. I feel like they just feel like they have to now. Like we might have to talk about it in like a future episode, uh, we celebrating can... like 1980 stuff. But like Blizzard of Oz as well, and like that move mm. to avoid paying but royalties is fascinating. With White Snake, we could probably do a whole podcast on the different versions of Here I Go Again, <laughs> <laughs> and we will. <laughs> yeah, in fact, we should do that. It'd be Here I Go Again and Again, again. and Again. <laughs> I think we talked about this in one of the early episodes, but like, I think even sometimes they get mislabeled. There's so many versions of <laughs> that song, but yeah. on compilation albums, sometimes they label the wrong song mm. or the wrong version of it uh, on that. Oh, God. I always feel like with a band, it kind of sums up when you go onto like their Spotify page and the top 10 songs are usually the like, same song yeah <laughs> but it's like maybe the same song four times in there like oh okay yeah. <laughs> mm. it's like oh pod alive live in the studio we, so we did uh we did like a, a kind of pub quizzy type thing um the uh, what is this called video Hang chat up. I, I mean, yeah. yeah, Jesus Christ. I was, was going to say via online. Video chat, I guess. Uh, yeah. And um, one of the, the questions was you had to guess the top five uh, oh, tracks yeah. for an artist yeah, yeah, on yeah. Spotify. Um, yeah, yeah, now as you remember this one. Um, and one of the bands was Black Lace. And <laughs> your, your boy here put Agadoo twice, knowing... <laughs> <laughs> knowing how many versions it's goddamn right I scored I more points I scored more points guessing the top songs for Black Lace than any other band that I love I know like you didn't yeah like you got better points I, than that than like Queen Metallica or <laughs> <laughs> <Killswitch> Engage yeah. <laughs> that's a really good uh, pub quiz question though, yeah it's excellent it's a really it fun one good, one of them was Spice Girls as well which that's the one I got the most points on which I still Find hilarious. Okay, if I had to guess, I'd say Wannabe. Hang on, I'll get out. Two, two Become One. Uh, text. Um, <laughs> uh, so you reckon Wannabe, Two Become One. So Wannabe's number one, got it. Yeah. Two Become okay. One is third. Third, okay. Yep. Um, maybe the two is, what's it? Oh, I can't remember the name of it. Um, giving you everything. Do, do, do. That one. Say you'll be there. Uh, uh, that's that's number four. Number four. Oh, number damn. two is very surprising to me. Mama. Uh, nope, Mama's not in there. Hmm. You, stop, got, stop right now. Yeah, that's number two, them. which I oh, find very okay. surprising. And then you've got a fifth one. Ooh, fifth one. <laughs> Beaver Forever? 
No. Viva for fucking hell. No. It's not a ballad. Uh, it's like a sort of. I no, haven't heard I, it in years. I would don't. say it's sort of a carnival sounding song, but uh, <laughs> Spice Up Your Life. Spice Up Your Life, yeah. Okay, yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's got that sort of... Yeah, like Rio Carnival. Well, we'll cover that on the Spice Girls episode. Where are we? See, there you go. We got to Hysteria and stopped caring about this. I told you, I told you cut off the last yeah. two tracks. <laughs> I was going to say, excite, Excitable sounds like it should be in like a Richard Simmons workout video. <laughs> One, yeah, 100%. And also, you can Jesus Christ, can you tell that Bon Jovi has come out at this point? They definitely yeah. wrote that after hearing... Uh, Panic like, Stations. 100%. <laughs> yeah. Um... Uh, yeah, finally, I think I actually quite like Love and Affection, but I think, yeah, do you know what? Like, they should have uh, followed, like, Mutt Lang's formula for Back in Black, like, cut it off at 10 songs, like, you know, because, uh, like, even with, like, Back in Black, you know, perfect, yeah, we'll talk about this later, but, like, you've got a couple of songs towards the end which don't quite have the same weight as, like, maybe the earlier songs, but, like, it's okay because you're near the end, you know, and you're going to go out on, like, a high. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I think they maybe, they got greedy, that's what it is, mate. They got greedy. I think maybe if you cut it down to 10 Maybe songs, they had to I... justify the budget. I was just thinking that. Right, that's yeah. a very good point. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah. I mean, if you start cutting, imagine if they, it shouldn't matter, but if they released a, an eight-track album <laughs> and, it, it took, and it took three years <laughs> and, and, and four million. <coughs> yeah, it's an EP. It, <laughs> it, hey, if, if, it, if it sells 25 million copies, I mean... Well, I know, but I think the perception of it coming out would be like, it was that it after. Yeah. Which is uh, absurd because it shouldn't matter, but... Yeah, there's some real tool energy going on there. That's <laughs> <laughs> um, it. Love and Affection, though, um, I do think it's really good. I really mm. like that song. Um, and I think it does a really, really good good thing to capture the sound of this album, actually, mm. just in this song. And I think there's a lot of it down to just, you know, you've just got that bass just plodding, just that do 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 whilst everything else is just kind of moving around it. Mm. That, that to me, is, is as soon as I think of Assyria, I think of how this album sounds, probably before any of the songs. Yes, definitely, yeah. I think that one really encapsulates it. Mm, yeah, it's a, I, I, that's why I like it. I think it's a nice like summary of the album, if that makes sense. It's a nice full stop. Like a little retail. TLDR. Yeah. Too long, didn't listen. This if is you what started on Trunk 11, here's what you missed. Previously on Def Leppard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I found the rest of that uh, Tracy Gunn's story. He's okay, making a black metal album with uh, Michael Sweet of Striper. Fuck. How? Yeah. Well, well, here's what he says. Uh, Tracy Gunn says, I love black metal. I love black metal more than I love a lot of other things. Because black metal has a certain <laughs> element of Randy Rickards. <laughs> Because black metal has a certain element of Randy Rhodes in it that people might not really identify that, but I always have. <laughs> There's something about the double picking and the way the chords are structured and the weight of the music. What do you want to bet this album doesn't sound even slightly black metal? Uh, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck is... So, think of black metal. Now, yep. t- think of the first thing that you think of. What is it? Poor production uh, and... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, lots of tre- lots of trebly guitar, burning churches and shit. Yeah, yeah, Striper getting involved in this seems very mm. odd. They they talk about that in um in this story actually. Don't worry. Uh, <laughs> My- Michael Sweet says uh, 
Michael Sweet says, um, the fact it's a Christian band, uh, he says, you have the biggest non-believer and the biggest believer, but that's the kind of guys we are. I'm able to separate the beliefs from the music. They're not one and the same. And Michael and I have talked about it. Uh, <laughs> they are. <laughs> I was a Tracy Gunn saying this still. Uh, I'm an open-minded person and I respect other people's perspective. I mean, the whole point of black metal is not respecting other people's perspectives. There's a lot of, you know... <laughs> no, it seems to be very focused on that person's vision. Uh, yeah. So... Because if this, if this album comes out... Because Matt Heathy of Trivium and... Uh, I always worry that I'm pronouncing it wrong, but... Uh, Ishan? Ishane? How would you pronounce it? No, Ishan. Uh, Ishan. Yeah. Ishan, yeah. Ishan, Ishan, yeah. Said it, yeah. Yeah. Um, they've been working on a black metal album for years. Cool. Okay. And yeah. And it eventually it's, it sounds like it's getting closer to seeing the light of day soon. I'm really excited to hear what it sounds like. But if LA Guns Stripe a black metal album comes out <laughs> first, I will be so happy that they got picked <laughs> to the post. Yeah. Uh, and don't get but, me wrong, I absolutely need to hear this album now. I know. <laughs> anything. Yeah. I need it like I need like another Tommy Lee rap album. Like I just <laughs> oh. <laughs> No, thank you. So I guess guys, just to kind of to round this one out then. Yes. Um <laughs> Def Leppard's Hysteria great classic absolute great. classic i know we've uh, we've probably maybe sounds like a little critical of it in some areas just for mainly just for for giggles but um yeah. i really can't recommend this album enough it's just such a good time um on a day like today like sun shining obviously everyone's locked in at the moment which is not ideal but if you just want to have a drink and put on like a very fun easy listening rock album i cannot it think of perfect. a better album than this to be honest it's Told you, it's such a, a good time. barbecue album yeah well, uh, very much the, the the peak of their uh, career because, like, nothing after this, like, they never quite hit those dizzy heights again. Nope. And I no, think and I think that's possibly a... we should probably save it. One of um, Steve Clark passed yeah. away after this, yeah. Uh, after yeah. this, and Phil Collins has talked repeatedly about how he almost left the band, and that he just because he was having to record different guitar parts to how he normally writes because of that, and how difficult he found it all. Oh, it's yeah. quite an interesting look. They're interesting. It's Ooh. really sad. Really, really yeah. like this. This band has really faced some shit, and the fact that they've mm, managed yep. to do what they have is un- unbelievable and super, super well deserved. I think. Absolutely. Yeah, it seems like with every um, every success they've had, they've had a tragedy mm-hmm. hit them mm. as well. Yeah. Uh, so it's amazing that they've kind of endured over all these years, and like, and now that it's massive, you know, they still sell out arenas and still legacy band. Yeah. You know, yeah. big name. Doing, uh, yeah, well, obviously it's not. It's probably not going to happen anymore, but they were probably on the verge of doing maybe one of the biggest arena tours yeah. uh, of uh, the year with uh, Motley Crue and, and other artists. So, yeah, <laughs> Come on, we could do this. We've got nearly through the whole episode without mentioning yeah. Because I just want to say as well, like the follow-up album to this, Adrenalize, which I think the most famous song on that is probably uh, Let's Get Rocked. Yeah, also, which, which is, which is yeah. great. Yeah, and also the confusing Make Love Like a Man. Also <laughs> great, also amazing, but like that. See, just to show you how much the world had kind of moved on in between. Like, I think if you think about it, when oh, fuck that pa- was ninety two, ninety two, yeah, that was ninety two. If there was ever a time we want to strike within the iron's heart, it's after this theory. Because by the like by the time this album Adrenalize comes out, Nevermind's happened. 
the Black Albums happened. Vince Neil's probably left Motley Crue. Like that entire genre of rock has kind of it's kind of not very come anymore. to an end. Yeah, yeah. Holy shit! Mm. Oh man, we should we should. Oh, Heaven Is as well is actually really good. God, all of these. Yeah, there's some really good stuff on this album, but it should have come out maybe four years earlier than it did. Yeah, right? I reckon. I yeah, five year gap is crazy because if they Steve Clark passed away in 1991, so it wasn't even. Yeah, I think if they'd got this in maybe in like 1990, I guess though they were touring Hysteria for oh, years. Oh yeah, definitely. oh yeah, exactly. Yeah. Some singles off for a year and a half. So. Yeah, yeah. If you think like they probably didn't even start thinking about recording it uh, until like if if you okay, so Steve Clark dies as well. Like they're probably thinking 1990 yeah, okay. time to start making your album. Steve Clark then dies. Like yeah, it, it makes sense. I think the album still did well for them, but. The music scene has changed so much. Like, if you think about it, between between uh, Pyromania to Adrenalize, Michael Jackson's gone from being black to white. <laughs> <laughs> sure. That's the only, yeah, that's that's <laughs> that's the whole kind of uh, AD BC <laughs> point yeah. in time, right? <laughs> um, so yeah, we love this album, but it turns out that not everyone loves this album. Guys, we've got some alternative opinions for you here. So, courtesy of uh, Amazon, we have uh, some one-star reviews of Hysteria. Actually, to be fair, there aren't many. (laughs) There really aren't many at all. I know, I'd be surprised if there were a lot of... There are six. Okay. Uh, Which which is, yeah, it's pretty pretty tiny. So, uh, we've got one here uh, where it is one-star crap music. Uh, Pour Some Sugar On Me is the only decent song. The rest are crap. You can listen to the full thing on YouTube. (laughs) Some of the songs would sound better played live with the amps turned up to 11, so you wouldn't even know it's crap. I have no idea what that means. (laughs) uh, Pour Some Sugar On Me is like a perfect example of what the songs on this album sound like. (laughs) So I don't see how you could pick that one out and say you really like it. And not like any of the others. It's not like it sounds radically different to the rest of the album. I have no, unless that's the only one they have actually heard. <laughs> well, yeah, that's the other. <laughs> and we have, uh, there's, there's one more as well that I, I think you guys are going to enjoy. Uh, it's from someone called Black Wizard. Wizard with two Zs. Yeah, uh, of course. One star, Timid Pop. Hysteria is a very weak CD and full of timid pop songs for little girls. If you want to hear the greatest CD ever recorded, then look to buying Master of Puppets by the mighty Metallica. Proper metal. (laughs) Tell you what, if this this person isn't like 14, um, (laughs) they need to have a word for themselves. Uh, How did they even stumble across this album in the first place? I have have no idea. Um, But the last thing that they have reviewed is some squirt long-lasting chain lube uh, and they were very happy with that <laughs> good well at least they found something they like yeah every cloud right silver lining oh wow uh so actually i'm just kind of obsessed now with their other uh, reviews i've got one star for rubbish timid pop do not buy as the music is dreadful and depressing can you tell me what album that's for guys uh, back in Black. Uh, uh, that is Rumours by Fleetwood Mac. Timid <laughs> <laughs> Pop. There we go. Save me. There we go. So, 
I guess we've, we've gone a lot into kind of like the, the technical side of this album, the songwriting. Mm. Is, is there anything else that we could do to kind of talk about this album, maybe on another podcast? Well, I think the actual story behind the album is just exciting. However, the way that story has been told <laughs> is utter trash. <laughs> so what are you on about? We, are, we are asking you kindly to join us for our next episode uh, as we review Hysteria, the Def Leppard story, the VH1 made for TV movie starring the guy who was in The Breakfast Club. <laughs> There's just no more exciting words oh, yeah. than VH1. It's Anthony Michael Hall, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. The words VH1 made for TV movie is just so exciting to me. <laughs> and yeah, I can't I wait. Think I, saw, I think I saw that film before I heard the album. What? No. What? No. I, How would that have happened? I... A friend, a friend. You grew up in the UK. There's no way you wouldn't. Have a friend heard. recommended the album to me and Def Leppard. He was really into his 80s rock, and he was like, "You're, f- you're oh, from you up should, north." He was like, "You should watch this as well." I, and yeah, no, no, I don't believe you. <laughs> what a weird film to watch if you don't know what it's about. You don't have any context. But... We'll, get into, we'll get into this on the next episode. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sure. A lot of questions. So yeah, please please do join us. Um, look, I'm I'm not one to advocate any kind of um, piracy, but the entirety of Hysteria, the Def Leppard story, is on YouTube. Def Leppard yeah. want nothing to do with this at all, so I don't <laughs> no. think they're going to give a shit about anyone pirating. Well, hopefully it. they'll re-record it. Uh... <laughs> yeah. So please please do do give that a uh, a watch because it's. We, yeah, we're going to have a great time talking about this one. Um, and if you do want to get in touch with us before then as well, uh, you can email us directly. Uh, we are slowlyrock at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram where we are at slowlyrockpodcast. Uh, we're on Twitter, we're on Facebook, we're at slowlyrock. Mm. Yep. Come give us a shout. Let us know uh, if you're enjoying things. If there's anything you do want to hear us talk about, then please do tell. Uh, we've got <laughs> nothing but yeah. time at the moment. <laughs> so uh, we're mm-hmm. all ears. Thank you very much, guys, for listening. Hope yeah, you enjoyed the album. It's been a joy. Thank you so, so much. Yeah.